He loves the outdoors. This guy is a camper. He's a backpacker. He's, what's the longest backpacking trip you've ever gone on, like in terms of days and weeks? Uh, about 30 days. 30 days, no civilization, just Lewis, nature, and God. So, so, you, so if there's, you know, I, I know we're in Modesto. If you happen to know of any places that are kind of naturey around here, tell Lewis about it. He would really like to know and, and go and explore. And he's, yeah, he loves camping. Another thing that Lewis really likes is he's very into gardening and into agriculture. And that's actually some long term, uh, that's something he wants to put, make his career in, is in agriculture and so forth, international agriculture. So if you have a question about your garden, Lewis might know something about it. So he's, he's a green thumb. But I also just want to say Lewis is, he really has a passion and a commitment to, to want to learn and grow in, in the work of soul saving. So I encourage you to, you know, just encourage Lewis and also uh, be with Lewis as he does ministry. Amen. He's going to be, he's going to be finding ways to reach out to your community and do Bible work like previous Bible workers have. And I encourage you to take advantage of, 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 you know, getting, being a part of that and learning how to do that. I'm going to share some more stories with you about that um, in the sermon, but thank you, Lewis. So glad he's here. Thank you again for, for having him. Please. So, so yeah, I, I, it's, um, it's great to be back here. And I was, you know, I talked to Pastor John and to um, Lorraine, and I was talking about, like, what's, you know, what, what message should I share today? And, and one of the things that happens is when you, you know, you've, you've shared the, the I'm going to come down here. I feel a little closer to you down here. When you've shared a lot of, of messages, and I know that I've, I've spoken a number of times here, you start to forget what you've shared where. And so, you know, and every sermon, is kind of, it's, it's, it's got something in it that's new and something that's old, right? That's just kind of how it works. So I don't think there's any repeat in here, but uh, if there is, hopefully you will, you know, hopefully you will remember. So why don't we go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our message for today. Father in heaven, we thank you for this, uh, thank you for this beautiful Sabbath day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the leadership at this church. And I just pray that you will, you, your spirit will indeed be here, as Brother Harold prayed earlier, and that you will, uh, you will give us grace to shine for Christ in this, in this day and age that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the message is called James' Final Plea. It's the, it's the, the last chapter in the book of James. There's only, you know, James is a small book. It's only five chapters. And I was reading through James chapter 5, and I found some, some, some interesting points here that I feel are very relevant for uh, the time that we're living in now. So James chapter 5, I'm going to have many of these passages on the screen. You can, you can turn with them there in your Bible too. That's great. So, so James chapter 5 and verse, verses 1 through 3. Notice what James says. This is his, this is, you know... This is James. This is his final word to the church. He says, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming, up, coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. 
Wow, this is a pretty, <laughs> this is a pretty intense passage here. So, I think it helps a little bit to identify who is James. Anybody have an idea? Who, 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 is, who is this James? That's right, the brother of Jesus. So, so there was another James in the, uh, in the New Testament. This was James, so there's James, the brother of John. Remember James and John? They were called the sons of thunder. They were the, they were the sons of Zebedee. And they were disciples who followed Jesus. And they were, you know, they were, they were called the sons of thunder for a reason. They were very fiery and so forth. However, that James, who was the brother of John, he was killed by Herod very early on in the Christian church. It says in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that Herod, that Herod killed James, the brother of John. And so this, this, this James, the, you know, the writing of the book of James comes much later. So who was this James? This James was, as someone's mentioned, the brother of Jesus, which is mentioned in, in, uh, in, by Paul. So this James, you know, he, he, was, he was in the book of Acts as well. One thing that he was known for, one thing that he was famous for, was his interest and concern for the poor. So, so that's something that just kind of runs through James's blood. And, and so here he has this, this passage here. It seems like, man, he's just, he's speaking against the rich in a very firm and, and decided way, in a very, you know, negative way. But here's the thing. Is James saying that it's evil to be rich? I think most of you know that kind of instinctively because you kind of know the, the rest of Scripture. You know the context. You know, if you, if you study the Bible, you realize that, you know, that's not what the message of the Bible is. Why is James speaking so strongly here? Um, oh, by the way, he mentions later on in, in chapter 5, he mentions Job in a very positive way. He said, you've heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, James 5.11. Job, was Job a rich man? Yeah, he had his ups and downs, right? But he, he, he started out rich, and he ended rich, very rich. And, and he mentions him in a positive way. So he's not speaking against richness in, in, you know, just in general. But notice what he says in James chapter 5, verses 4 to 5. Look, the wages you have failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the, the ears of the Lord Almighty, you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. So, James is talking about getting rich by fraud. Getting rich by, you know, unrighteous means. And, and here we have a picture of people who are rich because they've, they've, they've grinded it out of the poor. But he's also making another point here. Oh, he goes on to say, you have condemned and murdered uh, the innocent one who is, not, who is not opposing you. So these guys are getting rid of this, are getting away with this. But, but now I want you to notice something here, okay? So he's, he says, first of all, your gold and silver are corroded. So he's speaking against rich people getting rich in, in a wicked and unlawful way. But he also says, your gold and silver are corroded. Now, are the reeves here? Mr. and Mrs. Reeves here. Okay, so they're science teachers, right? Listen, I have a question for you. Do gold and silver normally corrode? No, no right? I mean, we learned that, you probably learned, if you can remember that from high schools, gold and silver are not, you know, very chemically reactive. They don't, you know, I mean, maybe there's some cir special circumstances in a laboratory where something could happen like that, but it's, it's just not a common thing. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. I mean, very rare. So, why, how, how can he say gold and silver are corroded? I was thinking about this, and I, I, a thought came to me. 
Gold and corrosion. How do, you know, what, what is James talking about? In 1971, under the presidency of, of Richard Nixon, the U.S. dollar was unlinked from the value of gold. So we have a currency, we have a money system, monetary system that is not based on any commodity, any gold or silver, anything like that. It's what they call fiat currency. It's just, it's just this currency that just has a value in and of itself. But when they unlinked it from the value of gold, something began to happen immediately. Do you, what, 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 what started happening when, when, when money, the dollar, was no longer linked to gold? Devalued. What's the word for it they use in the news a lot? Inflation. It starts inflating, right? Inflation became a, a huge problem in the years following when they first, first you know, got rid of the gold, uh, you know, that they unlinked the, the dollar from the gold. So, you know, there were some years where inflation spiked all the way to like 15 or 14%. And, you know, just to give you an idea of what that means, you know, 14% in one year, that means all the money you have in the bank is now worth 14% less. So, so it was bad. It was a really bad thing, you know, that, that started happening. It finally got under control, and now inflation is a steady and slow thing that just, you know, it, it's at a slow and controlled rate. It's really not a bad thing. It happens usually at 2 to 3%. But just to give you an idea, by, if, if, if inflation continues at the rate it's going today, by the year 2050, if you have a million dollars, it will only be worth about $325,000. So, so that's, you know, that's, that's pretty, that, you know, inflation can really have an effect. Now, here's the thing. In history, historically, when there were countries that, that really ha struggled, you know, with their, their, their financial system fell apart, like Germany in World War II. You've heard of Weimar, right? They, they started printing money like crazy, and money became so worthless in Germany that they were, people were carting wheelbarrow loads full of cash to the store to buy a loaf of bread. So that, that's, that's what, you know, when inflation gets out of control, that can, that's what can happen. Now, back in the day of, of, of James, there was no such thing as currency that had no, you know, there was no such thing as like dollar bills and paper currency and that. They just had gold and silver coins, right? So, so James, when he says gold and silver, he's, he's referring to money in more of a general sense, right? But today, our currency doesn't have that, have that stability. And so when, when James says corroded, I believe, this is what I believe, I believe he's referring to the devaluation of money. The money is going to, your money that you've hoarded in the last days is going to, is going to not be, is not going to be worth anything. Some, you know, there could be, now again, I don't think that James is trying to make a prophecy, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm not trying to say this fits into the big scheme of prophecy, but it, it seems like what it's saying is that there could be some major, you know, financial catastrophe in the last days that makes, makes it so that the rich who've hoarded the wealth have, you know, they've, they have nothing. They have all this money in the bank, but it, it, it's, it's worthless. Now, back to, you know, is it bad to be rich? Is it bad to plan retirement? Is it, but no, it's not bad. It's, it's wise too. In fact, the Bible says, you know, Paul says in Timothy, you should take care of your family financially. It's, that's, that's the good and, and wise thing to do. But what is, so what is, what does this mean to us then? You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Gold and silver are corroded. I want to bring out a point here. The point is this, in the last days, especially, well, throughout all of time, but especially in the last days, there are things that are more important than making money. There's things that are more important. Notice what William Carey, the great missionary to India, said. 
He said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. He could have been a successful businessman in, in, in England in the 17 and 1800s. But, but God, God convicted him and said, I want you to be a missionary to India. Now again, you know, there, there was, there, we have stories like the rich young ruler. And Jesus said, sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. He could, he, you know, and, and if, sadly he turned away from Christ. Christ does not call all of us to go to India and sell everything we have and give to the poor. But he does call all of us to get our priorities right. Every one of us is called to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. John, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. So, he, 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 notice what he says. This is, these are the last two verses. The last two verses in the... Uh, the well, actually, I, I forgot. I want to share a quick story. So, priorities. There was a man who, who was, you know, he got sick and he... He, you know, the doctors told him, you know, hey, your, your, your time is coming. You, you know, you should probably get your family here and so forth. And, and he went to sleep, you know, as he was going to sleep that night, he prayed earnestly to God. He said, God, I don't want to die yet. You know, I, I haven't fulfilled, you know, I haven't lived life to the fullest. Please bring healing. He was healed. He got better. He got out of the hospital. And he went and he, and he worked really hard, because, you know, and he, he just, he, he fulfilled his career dreams and he got all this money and he bought a whole bunch of gold. Just lots and lots of gold. Then finally the day came when he ultimately he died. And he came up to the gates of heaven and Peter was there. And there were people, you know, talking to Peter and going inside the golden city. And this man came up to the gate and he was dragging this big bag of gold that he had, you know, it was his whole life earnings, all, everything. You know, it was this big bag of gold. And he walks up to Peter and he says, hey, you know, I'm here. And Peter says, um, well, hey, I'm glad you finally made it. What, what do you got there? And he says, well, this is, this is my life work here. And he said, really? And he op- Peter lo- opens up the bag and he looks in there and he looks up and he's got a confused look on his face and he says, you brought pavement to heaven? You brought pavement to heaven? Friends, money is important. How we use it is important. But there's things that are more important. We can't really bring much to heaven, but you know what we can bring? We can bring friends, amen? amen. We can bring friends to heaven. We can, we can find, look, look at what, what James says here. He says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save, us, save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Wow, that's an interesting verse. That's so powerful. You know, I'm, I'm a... I grew up in a family that was, we were, we were uh, I'm a baptized Catholic, right? I'm, I was, you know, we were not attending church. Once in a while, my grandma would come and crack the whip and, and we would go to mass, right? But we were not, you know, we were not religious and I was very young and some, some lady came to our door from the church. She was, I think she, she must have been in her 60s or something is what my, my parents say. I was, I was four years old and this lady came and she, she, she shared some literature with us and she talked to us and prayed with us. And one thing led to another. My family started coming to church and eventually we're baptized. Amen. And I'm here today because, you know, just because of that. Now, there's other, there's other parts to my testimony, but, but that was one part way back at the beginning. That was very important. I remember that when I was, you know, we, we had our, my family had their ups and downs spiritually. And I remember I was, I was going to church for a while and my parents weren't going. 
And, but I kept going because there was a Sabbath school teacher there who just really, really embraced me. Sabbath school teachers, your job is important. Your job is very important. And, and they, I remember this, the Sabbath school teacher, they just, they, they, you know, they always included me. They brought me, you know, they encouraged me to come to, the, to youth events. They took us camping. They, they, t- they, you know, encouraged us to be involved in Pathfinders and so forth. And by God's grace, eventually, it, you know, every, the things I learned, I, I, it stuck. And, and I'm here today because, of, because of, the, of those people. Do you know somebody who's wandered from the truth? I bet you there's somebody here who used to come to Parkwood Church who's not here today. Now, I mean, maybe somebody's going to series. You know, I'm not talking about that. Those are not, that's the, you're not an apostate if you decide to go to series instead of Parkwood, okay? But you should come to Parkwood. Parkwood's where you should come. Amen. I, sorry. I don't, <laughs> but I bet you there's somebody who's not in church today who used to come to Parkwood. I bet you can think of some names right now. Friends, sometimes we're afraid to visit those people. Sometimes there's, there's this reluctance because we're like, what if they feel pressured? What if they feel embarrassed? You don't have to go on, you don't have to pressure anybody to come to church. You can just go and maybe visit with them and just say, hey, how you doing, man? I was like, oh, sorry, I haven't been coming to church. For, oh, don't, it's all right, brother. You know, we just, I missed you, man. I just want to see how you're doing, you know? It's, 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 it's not, you, you know, it's, it, it's a simple thing. It's just a little bit of, a little bit of love. I want, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to think of somebody who's not here, who used to be here. Go find that person. Show that person some, Christ, some Christian love. The other thing, too, is that there's people out there in the community who are out there wait, waiting for, for somebody to bring the message to them. Amen? So I remember this. I had a, a crazy experience a few years ago. I was, I was, I was actually doing uh, some, some literature evangelism door-to-door, and I was, in this, I was on this street... And I guess I was there at the wrong time of day because everybody was gone at work and I was just door after door after door and I was like, man, I need to go somewhere else or just do this later in the day. I knocked on a door and then finally somebody opened. The, and I, and I, you know, I handed this, this, this little book to her. It was, a, it was a book about, you know, cooking and so forth because we, you know, when we do our literature evangelism programs, we typically start with something about, you know, health and cooking to kind of break the ice. She looked at it, she's like, no, we, we have plenty of recipes, and she handed it right back to me. I said, okay, well, before I go, check out this, and I put the, another book in her hand, and this was, this was a, like kind of a, a shortened version of Bible readings for the home, kind of a more modern edition. It's kind of like, a, you know, it just went through different Bible topics with question and answers and so forth. She looked at it, she flipped it open to kind of almost the middle of the book, and when she looked at it, she looked down, she gasped, she said, oh, like this, and I said, whoa, what happened? You know, did she, did she open the book and immediately see something that offended her religious sensibilities? You know, what, what, what just happened? Why is she, you know, I'm, all this, this fear is racing through my heart. She looks up at me and she says, my friend and I were up till 2 a.m. last night. This lady, she's, you know, she's in her 40s or whatever, so this is, you know, whatever. She, she said, we were up till 2 a.m. last night. We were studying the Bible and we couldn't make sense of what, of, you know, we're reading, we're reading this, this stuff, and it was like symbolic, and, and we couldn't make sense of it, and it was so, it was so, you know, it was kind of scary, and we were praying, God, please help us understand your word. And she's like, the very thing I opened up to as soon as I opened this book is, is, 
is an explanation of the very chapter in the Bible that we were looking at. The exact same one. And she, she looks down and she looks at me and she says, are you an angel? <laughs> I said, no ma'am, I'm definitely not an angel. But I believe that God has set this up. I believe that God has set this up. She ends up, you know, she and her, then she calls her friend excitedly and they come and they, they get, they purchase my books and, and it was, it was a great, a great encounter. But I just want to encourage you that there are people out there who are seeking. We don't know who, we don't know where, but if you pray and say, God, give me a divine appointment today, lead me to somebody who I can share the love of Christ with, somebody I can share an encouraging Bible verse with, he'll do that. I remember one day I prayed, I, I was, you know, I was, I was praying that, and I was like, God, please help me. And this is, you know, this is a few years ago. I was, uh, <laughs> I went to the laundromat, I was doing my laundry there, and there was uh, this lady who, who was, you know, she was doing her laundry, and she looked, she was sitting there, and she looked kind of sad. And so I just worked up the nerve, and I went over there, and I said, hey, ma'am, is it okay if I pray with you? And she's just like, yeah. And I said, is there anything I can pray about? And she's like, just pray for my family. I said, okay. So we prayed. And then, and then I said, okay, well, have a great day. God bless. Before I leave, she's like, hey, what does the Bible say about divorce? And I was like, whoa. I went to my car. I got my Bible. We sat down and we, we, we looked at some passages together. And she, she was able to share her heart with me about the struggles she was currently going through. If we, if we, if we pray for those divine appointments, God will give them to us. God will give them to us. I can tell you, I can tell you so many times. There was, um, there was another, another time where I had a, uh, a church member. She went with me, I, you know, the, when I was a Bible worker in Madeira. And I said, you know, her name was Bonnie. And I said, Bonnie, why don't you come, come with me to follow up some, you know, meet some people uh, in the community. I have these leads here. It was, um, oh man, what was it from? I think it was Discover Bible. It was something that was, you know, they had seen it on TV. And they had requested... Uh, like, you know, some, some book or something. And I said, why don't we just go visit this person? And she was very scared, and she, so she came with me, and we knocked on this lady's door, and, I, and I, I still remember the lady's name. Her name was Lorraine, and she, this is in Madeira, and she opened the door, and she, we talked, we had a, a you know, conversation with her, and she's like, oh, yeah, I did, I did uh, ask, got that, and I got that book in the mail, and it's been very good. And we're like, okay, great. Well, we just wanted to see how you liked it and, and see if you're, you know, we could pray with you and talk with you. And she's like, yeah, that'd be great. We went inside, and she told, with us, told us how her husband had passed away a few months ago. Bonnie had also had her husband pass away a few years ago. She was able to talk to this lady. They had a, a great connection. They were able to, she was able to encourage her and pray with her. Before we left, Lorraine said, man, I'd like to, you guys are, wonder, are great people. And then I said, would you like to have Bible studies? Bonnie will give you Bible studies. And Bonnie's like, er, hold on now. And I said, I said we, and Lorraine said, that would be great. So we walked out of that house, and this lady was, was you know, she had Bible knowledge, and she had a bookshelf with all these things on. I don't know, think she had a church, but she, she had Bible knowledge, and she had talked to us about that. And as we were walking out to the street, Bonnie grabbed me, and she's like, AJ, this lady's going to eat me for lunch. You want me to give her Bible studies? And I said, I said, Bonnie, you, listen, it's going to be great. Did you see how you guys connected? Did you see, how, see that? Did you know that sometimes, some of you folks in here, you have a life story and a, and a way of connecting with people 
that is just what someone else needs out there. You know, some, some, like Lewis, Lewis here, he's not married. Pray for him. He, 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 there's some things about life he doesn't know yet that you know. Does that make sense? Are you following me? Now, he's got that. He's got the, you know, he's got the strategy. He's got the, the, some training, and he's going to get out there to the, to the people. But with you by his side, that's going to double or triple his effectiveness. Does that make sense? So, so Bonnie, Bonnie and I, you know, I, I, told, I said, Bonnie, look, it's real simple. Let's get some Bible study guides, and, and, and we'll go over this. You go over it and make sure, you know, and, and, and she, she, so she did. She filled it out, and she got all of her notes, and she studied. And, man, she studied her Bible like never before. She went back to Lorraine without me. They ended up spending like two or three hours together. They just hit it off. She went back the next week to Lorraine. Lorraine brought her a friend and a, and a relative. And then the next thing you know, a few months down the road, Lorraine and a friend and a relative are both at church. All three of them are at church. And all three of them got baptized and, 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 and are, are part of the church in Madeira. God can do incredible things. He can do incredible things. And sometimes, just a little prayer, God, lead me to a divine appointment today. You know, you go to the grocery store, don't you? You go to Taco Bell, right? You go to the gas station. You go to, you go to places where other people are. Pray, God, give me, you know, and, and when you pray that prayer, you start to notice things. There's people out there who, who, who just, you can see it. You know, there was, there was this thing in the news a few months ago. There was um, these three gentlemen who were at at a restaurant, younger guys, if I remember the story correctly. And they looked over across the restaurant and they saw another lady sitting at the table, you know, waiting for her food to be served. And they saw that this lady, she was, she, she, she looked very sad. She just had this sad look. Do you remember this story? It was in the news. It was national headlines. She looked sad. And these three guys, they looked at each other and they said, let's go, let's go, let's go see what's, wrong with her. Maybe we can encourage her. They walked over and they said, ma'am, uh, we saw you sitting over here by yourself and you know, we're just out here, just here for breakfast or whatever. Do you mind if we just sit with you just to visit? And, she, and, and the lady's like, well, this is unusual, you know, in this day and age. She's like, well, yeah, sure. They sat down. They started, you know, talking. Their food came. They were having breakfast together. The lady shared that her husband had passed away recently and that's why she, she was looking sad. They said, we're so sorry to hear that. They had this conversation. They, they were able to just kind of relate to her. And that was it. They left. And the lady felt encouraged that somebody noticed and came in. And this made national headlines. This was a story in the news. Do you realize that it is an unusual thing for a perfect stranger to come up and encourage you? It's an unusual thing in America. It's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. And we as God's people, we as God's people, we have the most encouraging word that can be given to anybody. It's encouraging just to go up and empathize and relate and listen to somebody. But when you've got this right here to back you up and say, you know what, there's hope, it's so much more powerful. So my challenge for you is this. I want to leave you with this as we close in prayer. Number one, Ask yourself, is there a face in here? Is there a body in here? Is there a person in here who's missing, who used to be here? Go find that person and just give them some encouragement, number one. Number two, ask God, pray, say, God, give me a divine appointment today. When you get up, go to work. Maybe there's a coworker. Maybe there's somebody. Maybe there's somebody you need to give a, make a phone call to. I don't know. Just pray for that divine appointment. 
God will give it to you. He gives it to you, and it's, it's just it's wonderful when it happens. Amen? God can and will use you. Let's close with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you're a God of, of, God of connections. There's, there's people out there, Lord, who you want to connect us with. And, you know, we live in a society. We live in America. We live where, where making money is, is a big, important deal. But I pray, Lord, that in this day and age, even now, that you will help us to keep those priorities straight and realize, Lord, that there's something more important that we need to be focusing on. Yes, we, 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 we can't quit our jobs, but what's more important than our jobs is looking for those who are out there without hope. I pray you will help us keep that priority first and foremost in our hearts and in our minds. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.